Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. If you're snacking on anything but tasty cake, you're making a huge Miss Cake. A fistful of chocolate-covered raisins? Miss Cake. A spoonful of peanut butter? Bigger Miss Cake. Or the worst Miss Cake of all, your kid's Halloween candy, and it's April. If it's not tasty cake, it's a Miss Cake. Because nothing satisfies like a perfectly sweet butterscotch crimpet. Or rich and creamy chocolate peanut butter candy cake. Tasty cake. Except no substitute. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Keith Caulfield, and I am the co-director of Charts at Billboard. Joining me, as always, is Billboard.com Senior Editor Katie Atkinson. Hello, Katie. Hi, Keith. How are you? Doing great. Looking forward to another Pop Shop Convo. Another Pop Shop Convo. <laughs> it's like a Pop Shop Convoy. Oh, <laughs> How about a confab? Confab? It's a, you know, I'll just stop now. Um, well, the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively conversation, <laughs> con, get it, about the, late, <laughs> about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. And today on the show, we've got news headlines on J-Lo, Fifth Harmony, and the greatest choruses of the 21st century, Ooh. according to Billboard. Plus, chart updates on Kendrick Lamar, Justin Bieber's Despacito remix, and the Fate of the Furious soundtrack. In addition, we also have an interview with Tinashe. Tinashe! Tinashe, yeah! Uh, she recently stopped by the office to talk about her new single, Flame, uh, touring with Maroon 5 and how that was a fun challenge for her earlier this year. Uh, working with Britney Spears because she is Britney's number one fan. And uh, we also played a quiz with her. So stick around for our interview with Tinashe a little bit later on. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on iTunes so you won't miss an episode, and give us a rating or review while you're at it. If you have any questions for us, feel free to tweet us at Keith underscore Caulfield or KT Atkinson. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit iTunes.com slash Billboard Podcasts. And one last note for everybody, the Pop Shop family has grown, you might have noticed in the pop shop feed in wherever you find your podcasts that in addition to the main pop shop podcast we'll get the must hear music podcast a show dedicated to reviewing the newest tunes as well as coming around again a retro show that celebrates important anniversaries in music hmm wow you sh you, if you don't subscribe you should because you'll get all those shows it's three for the price of one 
And the price and is the free. Price is zero. And the price is zero. <laughs> um, well, let's run the numbers and uh, do the chart chat. Here are three of the biggest headlines on the charts right now. Number one, Kendrick Lamar rules the charts as his new Damn album debuts at number one on the Billboard 200, while his single Humble jumps to number one on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. Number two, superstar Latin artists Luis Fonsi and Daddy Yankee hit the top 10 of the Hot 100 for the first time with Despacito, thanks to a little, well, a lot, of help from Justin Bieber. And number three, the new The Fate of the Furious soundtrack drives into the top 10 on the Billboard 200, giving the Fast and the Furious franchise its fourth top 10 effort. How how, uh, does that stack up? Compared to other film series, well, stay tuned and we will tell you. So let's break down each of these uh, chart headlines individually. At number one, Kendrick Lamar debuts at number one on the Billboard 200 with Damn, scoring the biggest week in nearly a year for an album. The set, which marks uh, Kendrick's third number one, bows with 603,000 equivalent album units earned in the week ending April 20th, according to Nielsen Music. Damn, indeed. Damn, 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 damn. Um, That's the biggest week for any album since Drake's Views launched last May with 1.04 million units. Uh, Further... Damn debuts with 353,000 copies sold, which is the biggest sales week for any album in 2017. And uh, all this Kendrick action isn't limited to the Billboard 200, as the rapper also hits number one on the Hot 100 chart with the Damn single Humble. Uh, The song rises three to one, bumping Ed Sheeran's Shape of You from the top after 12 weeks. Uh, At some point, Ed's reign was going to end, and evidently it was this week. Doesn't mean that he can't go back to number one, though. Uh, Humble is Lamar's first number one as a lead artist and second number one overall after his featured turn on Taylor Swift's Bad Blood. Um, Well, next up, uh, Luis Fonsi and Daddy Yankee's huge Spanish-language hit Despacito roars into the top ten on the Hot 100 thanks to a newly released remix of the track that features Justin Bieber. It's the first mostly Spanish top 10 hit on the chart since way back in January of 1997 when Los Del Rio's Macarena spent a final week in the region after previously logging 14 weeks at number one in 1996. Uh, Despacito, which spends its 12th week at number one on the Hot Latin Songs chart, I think it's 12 weeks, uh, rises from number 48 to number nine on the all genre Hot 100 chart thanks to the big sales and streams attributed to the new Justin Bieber remix. Um, On the remix, Bieber adds about 30 seconds or so uh, of an English verse, basically. The rest of the song is the same. It's like the same music and everything else. He kind of sings in the chorus a little bit on the remix. Yeah, he like harmonizes. Yeah, he harmonizes, I think, with Luis Fonsi Mm -hmm. on the the Mm -hmm. chorus part. And he might add something later to, yeah, there were a few moments where I was listening where it, I was like, "Is that Justin there?" Like it, just, yeah, I wasn't it feels sure like either. he's kind of just snuck in with a few things, right? Well, you know that that kind of enhances the whole song. Indeed, in, instead of Bieber fies it instead of just a guest spot at the top. You know, he's throughout the entire song. Indeed, um, the release of the remix on April seventeenth spurs a one hundred and twenty nine percent surge in U.S. streams for the track, um, rising to twenty four point one million in the week ending April twentieth. Um, and that was just like three days. Uh, digital sales for Despacito soar 510% to 
to 60,000 downloads sold. It's the best streaming week and sales week for the song so far. And the song has already been a huge hit on our charts. Um, it's like one of the, it's probably the biggest Latin hit that we've seen in years on the chart. Which is saying a lot because like Bailando and right, exactly. uh, the other Enrique song, uh, El Perdón. All those songs that just dominate for weeks on end. If it's a song by Enrique, you can yeah, probably if, guess it's going to be a big hit. If the word Enrique Iglesias <laughs> is, is somewhere in there. Um, well, Katie, what do you think of, of the new remix with Justin? Oh, I think it's great. I mean, that song is, is was already a jam, obviously. Like, the Latin world has embraced it um, entirely. But you add a little Bieber to it, and you're exposing it to a whole new audience. Exactly. Um, and it's fun. It's it's a little more up-tempo, I think, too, the remix versus the original. You think so? Well, I was trying to listen to them. There's actually a few other versions out there of this song as well. I mean, that's what happens when a song is this big of a hit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if I was listening to the original, original version. Oh, whoa. Um, um, but there's lots of takes on it. To me, it, the, the song reminds me a little bit of Bailando. It, see, it reminded me a little bit of El Perdón. So <laughs> it reminds us of an Enrique reggaeton song. It, it had, it, there's a certain kind of, like, it, it, you don't get tired of it kind of yeah. feel to it. Like, yeah. And that's why the song can continue to, like, sustain so well because it has, like, it, it doesn't burn. Um, I, but if, I think that's a term that people in radio use. Like, when a song uh, can, can be played a lot on the radio and people don't get tired of it, it's like... No, you want to hear it more and more and more, as opposed to some songs burn quickly. And you're like, okay, I'm done with that. And after- I feel like it's just a matter of time until there's an English, an all English version of this song. That'll be interesting. With Bieber, because I just already, like, LA pop stations have already picked up the Bieber remix that is mostly mm. Spanish. But I think to make it a little more, um, you know, palatable to the entire American radio audience, right. the all English versions around the corner. Uh, finally, uh, the soundtrack to The Fate of the Furious debuts at number 10 on the Billboard 200 chart, marking the fourth soundtrack from the Fast and the Furious film series to reach the top 10. It follows Furious 7, which hit number 1 in 2015, Too Fast, Too Furious, uh, and the first The Fast and the Furious mm-hmm. soundtrack. Uh, Katie, can you name any other film series that have logged at least four top 10 charting soundtracks? I can't say that I can. Can't actually. name can't name a single one. Huh? <laughs> I don't off the top of my head. No. Um. Well, uh, instead of just grilling you because it could turn to a long, very sort of exasperated sort of thing, <laughs> um, I'll just maybe tell you too. Now this why isn't don't like you just tell me the why answer. Why don't I just tell you the answer? Okay. So I've researched and I found at least two film series that have had at least four soundtracks reach the top ten on the Billboard 200. Star Wars. Okay. And uh, the Twilight Saga. Oh, man. How could I forget? So it turns out um, so far in the Star Wars series, just the main Star Wars series, uh, not counting, what was the name of the new movie? Rogue One. Rogue One, right. Um, just counting the uh, sort of uh, so far seven of them, I think there are. So Star Wars reached number two, Empire Strikes Back. Uh, reached number four, Return of the Jedi, missed the top ten, mm. hit number 20. Um, Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, hit number three. Episode two, Attack of the Clones, was number six. Episode three, Re- Revenge of the Sith. These names just roll off the tongue. Mm. Reached number six as well. And Star Wars The Force Awakens reached number five. Um, looking forward to, I'm assuming, another top ten album from the forthcoming film. Was it The Last Jedi? Is the Last Jedi. 
um, which comes out this Christmas. And then, of course, the Twilight Saga had Twilight, New Moon, Eclipse, and Breaking Dawn parts one and two because they split the last movie into two different movies. Indeed. Um, That's a thing they do. This is not an exhaustive list. I could have missed one. I could have missed a film series, but I was kind of thorough. Well, what about, um, you know, like Batman? Good. That's a good point. Um, because the maybe I do know something. The Tim. The Tim. Yeah. Good point. The Tim Burton. Uh, the one that started with Tim Burton's 1989 Batman, mm-hmm. which was Prince's soundtrack. Yes. Uh, went to number one. That was followed by Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, uh, both which hit the top ten. Then. The Dark Knight Rises also had a top 10, but that's like the Christopher Nolan series, and it's a different Batman. It's a different story. So it's like, do you count them all together? I don't think so. Probably not. Never mind. Never mind. Um, I even checked James Bond. I think it's only been two James Bond soundtracks that have been top 10. It's interesting since so many of their songs have done well. Yeah, it's very – well, you know, it's one of those things where you have like one hit title track, you know, the title song. And then it's like just the like orchestral – right. Score. That doesn't stop Star Wars and John Did Williams. Did not stop Star no. Wars. Nothing stops John Williams. Nothing stops John Williams. Um, well, Katie, do you want to run some headlines here, some music news? Yes, let's talk about three of the biggest headlines over on Billboard.com. First up, uh, global superstar Jennifer Lopez is set to perform Thursday night at the Billboard Latin Music Awards, where she will also be honored with Telemundo's Star Award. Mm. The singer-slash-actress will perform new music from her upcoming Spanish-language album wow. due this summer. It's her first all-Spanish LP since 2007. Wow. The Billboard Latin Music Awards are entirely in Spanish, so I know not all of the Pop Shop audience are planning to tune in. Uh, But (laughs) J-Lo's performances always transcend language. As you (laughs) could tell, if you look back, Google or YouTube, three years ago, her Selena tribute at the Billboard Latin Awards is amazing. So even if you don't... uh habla espanol you'll still enjoy the show yeah maybe you know we'll we'll see if we can find out exactly when j-lo's coming on <laughs> you and may you enjoy know. it slightly more maybe <laughs> you know if you knew when j-lo's coming on yes um but we suggest tuning in to telemundo at 8 p.m et on thursday uh next up we have a twofer of fifth harmony related news uh first we posted an interview with normani corday all about dancing with the stars this week but we managed to slip in a few questions about fifth harmony's progress on their third album we have new music coming, Normani said. The more intense and further the competition gets, the more that I have to do, having to learn more dances and also be in a recording studio. I had a photo shoot yesterday, working on an album, writing, just so many different elements. No word yet on how soon we'll get to hear that new music, but it's encouraging that they are already in the studio. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a little news on Normani's former 5H bandmate, Camila Cabello, over the weekend. When her manager, Roger Gold, tweeted the cryptic message CC1, a.k.a. Camila Cabello's first album. We assume. <laughs> I mean, he's at least just tweeting about that. That's on the way. So I guess it's not much of like a hint or whatever. But an Us Weekly writer suggested the album could be out as soon as May 5th. So also, grain of salt. But uh, we'll see if that's what her manager was hinting at or if he was just saying it's on the horizon hmm. in general. I wonder. I, I wonder when we will see... Camila and the rest of the Fifth Harmony girls actually physically together. Like, Probably the first like awards show after perhaps the Billboard Music Awards. Yeah, maybe on, the Billboard in, Music Awards in, in, in mid in mid May. <laughs> mm. I mean, if she releases music on May fifth, she that would be her first opportunity to promote said music. Mm-hmm. So maybe 
I don't know, know we're anything. Just making all I, this I, up. I, I, I'm just hypothesizing. It's just like the manager, Us Weekly, and us are all just making random <laughs> statements in the air. But uh, finally, it's Chorus Week over on Billboard.com, and the staff ranked the 100 greatest choruses of the 21st century. Of course, a completely subjective list that we all kind of contributed to and and debated and argued until we came up with 100. I, a 100 item list really? which oh, is so insane and all 100 songs are on .com um, you mean like the whole the 100 deep list oh yeah oh wow yeah did you reveal them all at the same time same time the full list who, who voted on this list because I didn't vote on this well, list well um so senior associate editor Andrew Unterberger was the he spearheaded this whole thing uh-huh. um I voted Jason Lipschitz pop shop alum uh Joe Lynch must hear music host uh, we so, all we all both we all voted and we also contributed writing to, like, you know, little segments about each of the songs. So it was editorial staff for Billboard.com like yes. voted um, and but did you guys also come up with like the the nominees for it? I suppose. Yeah. So Andrew suggested the beginning list, which I believe was like 250, 300 songs. Then he <laughs> said, you know, add more to it. Like, tell me what's missing. And then it was like, you can if you'd like to rank one to a hundred oh or or if you're katie <laughs> you can send in your top 20 because <laughs> 100 is daunting yeah so that's um, interesting yeah it was a it was very interesting little process and uh i thought maybe we could run down the top 10 sure um you know not all 100 this isn't a limitless show um number 10 was miley cyrus's wrecking ball uh number nine was nelly's ride with me Number eight is R. Kelly's Ignition. And if you go to his Twitter page, he uh, responded positively to his ranking on the list, which is amazing. Uh, Number seven is Katy Perry's Teenage Dream. Number six is Jay-Z and Alicia Keys' Empire State of Mind. Number five is Jimmy Eat World's The Middle, which we were just speaking about in the Pop Shop chart stat of the week a few weeks ago. Number four is Outkast's Miss Jackson. Number three, The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Number two, which I have to say this is my personal number one, uh, was Kelly Clarkson's Since You've Been Gone, which I you know, can't resist singing that at the top of my lungs whenever I hear it. But our number one, uh, as chosen by the staff of Billboard.com, was Carly Rae Jepsen's Call Me Maybe. Hmm. And Billboard chatted with Carly about her song being named number one, and here's what she had to say. I'd be lying to say that I knew the song was going to be a career changer for me, but I did notice this reaction when I played the song for other people. She also said it's a gift to have a song like that because it's allowed me now to start to be able to make, without sacrifice or compromise, the exact music that I've always dreamed of making. Call Me Maybe was definitely a part of my story and part of how I look at myself as an artist, but that's always evolving. It's nice to have the confidence and freedom to be able to change like that. So head over to Billboard.com for the full list of 100 greatest choruses of the 21st century. I really wish Carly would have actually said something specifically about the chorus. Well, she talks. There's there's a full interview on oh, Billboard.com. She, she talks more specifically about. She talks more the, about the, the songwriting process. Oh, and how ha- she okay. and her um, co-writer sort of put in some like placeholder lyrics. And those turned out to be like the lyrics, which happens. We hear that story a lot where she said. I just met you and this is crazy. Like, and she's like, we'll change. We'll, those we'll have like real lyrics. Later. And he was like, no, we won't. Like, those are like kind of great and casual and thrown away. And it's kind of why it's cute. Like, oh, wow. Yeah. That's so, interesting. Yeah. Um, well, now that we've run the chart uh, news and uh, music news, it's now time for our guest interview with Tinashe. 
the lovely Tinashe, who just released the music video for her new single, Flame, dropped by the office recently to talk about how she wanted to make an anthemic song with emotion. Uh, the track is percolating under the threshold of our pop songs airplay chart and is making uh, steady gains at Top 40 Radio. Also in our chat, Tinashe talks about how it was a fun challenge to open for Maroon 5 earlier this year because she was playing for a crowd that didn't really know her music all too well. Indeed. Um and how it was a, quote, Stan's dream. Did she say that? Yes. I love that. To shoot the music video for Slumber Party with Britney Spears. And she remarks about how just, like, surreal it was to be in, like, lingerie, like, touching Britney's body and being, like, one <laughs> inch away from her face. Um, she also talks about how she doesn't box herself into any one genre when she's making music because... You know, while her new song certainly has its, like, pop elements to it, you know, she's like, I've worked with Enrique and Britney, and I've done R&B stuff. She's like, you know, I like all sorts of music. So, anyway, take a listen to our chat with Tinashe. And I said, baby, you can put it on me. Cause I know it don't make it easy. My body hurts with every hobby. Just saying. And welcome to Billboard's Pop Shop Podcast, Tinashe. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm amazing. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, well, let's talk about your recent new single, Flame. Um, I noticed that you co-wrote the song with an all-star team of collaborators, folks yes. that have written songs like Nick Jonas's Jealous, Beyonce's All Night, Steve Aoki and Louis Tomlinson's Just Hold On. Can you talk about the song and, and how the track came together? Yeah, I mean, the song, I really wanted to create something that felt really anthemic, something that people could relate to, something that had a little bit of emotion behind it. And that was kind of the vibe that we went with with Flame. Uh, yeah, like you said, I worked with some really amazing people, and I'm really excited with the response that I've gotten so far. You know, most of your music that you've released, and this is just purely my opinion, and I'm not trying to categorize you in any way, shape, or form, but a lot of the music that you've released has been kind of sort of R&B tinged, and I think this track is is pretty firmly, like, pop music oriented. Was that the intention of the track, to kind of take this song into a kind of a pop direction? Um, yeah, I mean, I think my music in general is, uh, it. I, I don't see it in an R&B place. I, I feel like it is a pop music thinly veiled um maybe this song again is is less thinly veiled but for me it it doesn't feel like a a shift in direction it's just more like a natural evolution yeah i mean because you know people are very quick i suppose to say oh you know you're this or you're that but it's like you know doesn't everyone like all sorts of music anyways right well exactly that's kind of how i feel as a as a creative that i don't like to listen to the same music all the time so why would i create the same type of song all the time and if you actually listen to like my entire discography from even the beginning it's been relatively versatile like i've done collaborations with like people completely outside the box from dance people to Enrique Iglesias to Britney Spears so I've been really lucky to you know live in that world of you know not so black and white and and not having to box myself in I like the way you're like look I have the receipts would you stop trying to like categorize me <laughs> um, it's fine it's fine that's what everyone does fine. um I well I apologize I didn't mean to do that um but I know um, I do want to say that, you know, you introduced this song to the public um, in a really unique way. Um, and I want to put this in just the right way. Um, you, you really celebrated the hardworking firemen of the world <laughs> um, 
For those that don't know what I'm talking about, um, when Tinashe released the song, she rode around in Manhattan in, uh, on a fire truck with a bevy of, of firemen. You know, though I wonder about yes. their credentials. I'm not sure if they really were firemen. <laughs> um, of course they were. Because they didn't seem to be wearing <laughs> shirts very much, and they could you really know, dance. And they knew choreography. They knew choreography. <laughs> ha- whose idea was yeah. this? Was this your idea? Did this come from you? It actually wasn't my idea. Surprisingly, it came from my record label. They had a really good idea, and I was like, that sounds extra. That sounds fun. So <laughs> we literally, like, rented a fire truck, drove around the city, like, trolling people on the mic and pl- blasting flame out the back and, like, having these sexy shirtless men dancing to it. It was so funny. It was just extra, extra, extra doubt. Yeah, and I I actually felt a little <laughs> bit bad for them because they were shirtless in 39-degree weather. <laughs> it was so cold. The first stop that we went, they actually didn't take their coats off. And then by the second one, I was like, all right, guys, we, we, got, we just got to bite the bullet. Like, <laughs> we're here to do this. We take have to show shirts off. Show a little bit of skin. Come on, people. You didn't have that body not to show it off. Come on, you know you only eat air and water. Exactly. Um, <laughs> well, uh, you know you've had an incredibly busy year, and you know Flame is just sort of like the tip of the iceberg because already yeah. this year you've opened for Maroon Five on the road, which must have been yep. crazy. Um, awesome. I'm wondering. I think to some people that might have been like a surprising combo, but as you've already established, you've worked with everyone, so this shouldn't be that surprising. But I would think that maybe there were probably some folks in the audience that maybe were getting to know you for the first time. Did you find that like a fun challenge and like daunting in any way, perhaps? Um, I think, like you said, it's more so I, I look at it as like a fun challenge. Uh, You're definitely playing for people who are unfamiliar. The Maroon 5 crowd is not like my core fan base so every time you open for someone I feel like you put yourself in that position I mean I've opened for Nicki Minaj I've also opened for Katy Perry and both of those audiences were extremely different from Maroon 5's audience and every time it's it's just really interesting to see what people gravitate towards and what songs they like and how to connect with them and it's, it's it is a fun challenge I think it makes you grow as an artist a lot I often I often ask artists, you know, who play like festival shows or like multi-artist shows where it's like, you know, you can't assume that everyone in the audience is going to know your music and you have to right. like look at it as a way for them to like discover you for the first time yep. in a way, you know? Yeah. And it's fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, and, you know, I'm sure everyone asks you about this and I will be the 30 millionth person to ask you, but it's hard not to. Um, <laughs> earlier this year, you scored a number one hit on Billboard's Dance Club yeah. Songs chart. Yeah. With Britney Spears on your team up of Slumber Party. Um, I know you're a big Britney stan. And, duh. Duh. <laughs> Huge. Um, we, we've seen the choreography on Billboard.com. Um, I'm wondering if you had a moment to, like, have a sit-down conversation with Britney and sort of get to know her and have, like, a moment. And, and, and if so, did she, like, sort of, like, give you any, like, words of wisdom? Not that you have to share, but did you at least have a moment with her, maybe? Man, I wish. Not really. Uh-huh. Um, we definitely, like, were together for a long time, but we didn't actually talk, 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 talk yeah. about, like, anything other than what Work. we were doing, which yeah. was shooting a music video or, you know, getting ready to go on stage. But she's super sweet, and I think just having her, you know, wanting me to be on her record to me was, like, the biggest compliment, and it's such a sweet thing coming from someone that you idolize and also just from another woman. It just, it's really 
it just makes you feel good like you're on the right track like you're doing the right things so I, I i really appreciated her for that was it was there a moment of like sort of surrealness where you're like in lingerie next to britney and you're doing <laughs> yes. choreography and you're like wait a second this just does not make any sense yeah, I was literally touching her entire body and was like an inch away from her face. And I was like, wait, this is the Britney Spears, like the. And yeah, I freaked out. It was like every Stan's dream. Yeah. <laughs> of course. And, but, but you came through with flying colors. You did amazing. Oh, thank so, you. Thank got an, you. <laughs> and you got a number one. So, hey, it's a happy ending. Yay. Um, I thought as we wrap up, I thought it'd be fun to play a game because games are always fun. Um, and... Uh, we're going to call this our flaming hot quiz with Tinashe because, yeah. you know, product placement. Um, <laughs> so question number one, and there's only three questions, and these, these are super easy. Cool. Question number one, of these Billboard Hot 100 hits, which is a personal favorite hot jam to you? And so there's okay. going to be three choices. Num- mm-hmm. Number one, Katy Perry's Hot and Cold. Mm-hmm. Number two... Nelly's hot and her, mm-hmm. or three, Drake's hotline bling. Now you just have to pick one. It doesn't have to be your number one favorite, or ju- it could just be a favorite. You know, all of those songs are pretty iconic, so it's a little bit hard to pick. Yeah, but I'm gonna have to go with hot in here. Has anyone ever made a song like to this day that still gets the club lit like hot in here? I don't think so. so. Exactly. There you, <laughs> there you go. Uh, question number two. Uh, Two On was your first hit, and it did great on Billboard's charts. Yeah. But just how hot was it? (laughs) Do you know where Two On peaked on our hot R&B hip-hop songs chart? Uh, Like, how high did it go? Was it like 24 or 26? Is that your final answer? Yeah, 24. Number five. Oh, my gosh. What? (laughs) I'm so glad you underestimated your own success. (laughs) Number one. That's so funny. Well, you got Slumber Party number one. So, you know. Yes. You know, we're working on it. Stacking them up. Uh, Third and last question. And it's a simple hot or not question. All right. Um, And it's about something that stirs much controversy. People either love this or they hate this. Okay. So hot or not, flaming hot Cheetos. Oh, gosh. I am not a Cheetos fan, so I'm going to go with not. I'm going to go with not. I have a hard time with those two. I think it's just there's something – it does something to my tongue. I don't know what it is. It's just a weird flavor. I'm not not into it. People love them. Well, uh, this has been a hoot. I thank you for being a sport (laughs) with this. Of course. Thank you so much. And uh, much success to you for the rest of the year with Flame and everything else that you have coming up. Yeah, thanks for taking the time to chat. Thank you, Tinashe. Bye. Bye. Thank you again, Tinashe, for stopping by, and uh, thanks for playing our little Flaming Hot quiz, <laughs> too. Uh, Katie, what's your opinion, the Flaming Hot Cheetos, hot or not? I uh, haven't had them yet, so uh, I'll abstain from voting. <laughs> I can but, t- I'm can. i just going to tell you no. Yeah, I'm, that's not. fair. But I do want to let Pop Shop listeners know, go watch her video for Flame, because it's, it's fiery. It's on fire. It's on fire. <laughs> um, well, now it is time for the chart stat of the week. 25 years ago this week, Criss Cross made everybody jump. 
as the backwards clothes wearing duo topped the Billboard Hot 100 with their anthemic debut single, Jump. The song spent its first of eight straight weeks at number one on the Hot 100 dated April 25th, 1992. Jermaine Dupri discovered the pair, Chris Mac Daddy Kelly and Chris Daddy Mac Smith, at a mall in 1990. When Jump hit number one, Kelly and Smith were just 13 years old. And the success of Jump helped fuel the popularity of its parent album, Totally Crossed Out. It spent two weeks at number one on the Billboard 200 chart. Now, while the act is best known for Jump, they also notched six more charting hits on the Hot 100 and two further top 20 charting albums. Sadly, Chris Kelly died of a drug overdose in 2013, and he was only 34 years old. In a statement at the time, uh, Dupree said, quote, to the world, Chris was Mac Daddy, but to me, he was a son I never had. Hmm. This is sort of a sad, sad, it's a sad, sad note to end on. Sad chart stat of the week. Well, there you have it. 25 years ago this week, Chris Cross hopped their way to number one on the Hot 100 with Jump. Well, we have reached the end of the show, Katie. How does that always happen? I don't know. It just happens so quickly. <laughs> um, uh, any parting words? Uh, should we go out on the... Uh, what is that? What was that song from Star Wars? The uh, the uh, Miko's uh, disco version of the Star Wars theme. Oh man! You know what I'm talking about? I don't. So now we definitely are going to go out on it, so I can hear it. Okay. <laughs> See you guys next week. Bye. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.